Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. On this week's show, we have a jam-packed episode, so we hope you enjoy it. So sit back, relax, grab a cold beverage, and let's talk everything there is to know in Louisiana outdoors. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors podcast is also brought to you by Blonde Grass Camouflage Systems. Welcome to the most realistic, durable, and versatile camouflage system available. Tired of constantly having to rebrush your blinds? The smell of rotting grass in your blind? Or grass that pokes and cuts? Or grass mats that have no depth in color and don't last throughout a season? No more cutting brush. Our patent-pending blind grass will not rot or mildew and is 100% waterproof. It's available in mats or bundles for any application, whether you have a permanent blind, a boat blind, or a small layout blind. And it comes in natural dead grass colors. And it's paintable to match your unique surroundings. You can visit us on the web at www.blindgrass.com to place your order today. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast is also brought to you by SRD20 Boat Products. It shouldn't be hard work. SRD20 products use advanced nanotechnologies in its formulations explicitly designed for boat maintenance. From boat waxes for detailing to waterless washing wax products, SRD20 has boat care products that keep your boat protected from the elements and looking brand new. Visit them online at www.srd20.com and enter promo code LASTSTOP for 20% off all SRD20 products today. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to an all-new episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast. As always, guys, I'm your host, Jacob Robry, and I'm excited to be back in the studio this week with all of you. We have had a lot going on over the last couple of weeks since hunting season's kicked up, guys. And on this week's episode, we're going to welcome my son, Jackson Robry, also to the podcast. Many of you know Jackson. If you follow him on social media, he goes by the name X Hunter. And if you follow all of his pages, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, whatever it may be, he has a lot of outdoor content that he shares on his social media page that we experience together. And I figured why not have him on the podcast this week because him and I have been traveling the road quite a bit. Uh, And to be honest with you, we haven't done a show in the last few weeks just because of that. With work and everything going on lately, we've been trying to squeeze some hunting trips in uh, on the weekends when we do get some time off right now. And, uh, And that's pretty much been the case. So Jackson, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. How's, how's things going with you, man? Good. Been doing well? Yeah. Well, good, good. I know, uh, I know last time we did an episode, our last episode that we did was, uh, we were wrapping up till season and we were coming back from a till hunting trip that we were invited on with some friends down in Evangeline Parish. And we ended up finishing up the, uh, the, the till season on a strong note, huh? Yeah. So kind of what's your thoughts on the way that all went down? Maybe fill the listeners in kind of on what, where we went. I know we had mentioned it briefly, but you kind of give your insight on uh, on that trip that we took down to Evangeline Parish. Like like going into the season, like we, we always, we talked about it because like we've never, we haven't been going for teal season in a while. And this year we finally decided to go. And this year, on opening day, we went, and the reports weren't good anywhere. Nobody was killing a lot of teal, and uh, just nobody was killing. So we went again, and we kept going, and we just weren't killing no birds. And then one of our buddies called us and said that they got teal, and they got a lot of teal, and they've been killing uh, a good bit of limits, and they've been killing a lot. So, And they invited us down there, which is Ville Platte, where you uh, – talked about and we went down to Ville Platte and we went hunt with them and that's the hunt where if y'all saw we killed the if y'all saw the pictures we killed a lot of teal and it, that was actually the last day of teal season so we ended the last day off very good yeah yeah and that, that was a fun trip we had we had been going down to the uh public land for the pretty much the majority of teal season and when you and I had scouted some spots out um we felt you know 
confident in the area that we were in as far as the uh, terrain looked like, but we didn't look, we, we didn't feel real confident in the fact that we weren't seeing a lot of birds. We kind of, we kind of talked about that, that we hadn't seen a lot of birds. And that ended up being the, the, the situation hunting the marshes for, of uh, this year for till season. So the marshes never really got to push the birds for till season like we hoped it would. Um, now we've done a little bit of scouting since then. Fast forward now, we're several weeks past the close of till season and we just took a trip this week, uh, this past weekend to a, a, a little area that's public land that we discovered and uh, quite a bit more teal showed up, it looks like now. So it looks like they just showed up in the marshes down here a little late. You know, Venice had some some good reports and we kind of touched on that in a, in a previous episode, but the majority of the teal that were killed this year seems to be in the, in the Western part of the state where they, where we ended up going and other areas more in the rice fields and your ag fields, all that type of stuff. That seemed to be the, the, uh, the ticket for teal season this year. But uh, you know, something else that we, we did whenever we went down there, was I ended up showing you some spots that I grew up on again, some areas where I kind of cut my teeth growing up as, a, as an adolescent, as a young waterfowl hunter with my dad, with a lot of my friends throughout high school. And, uh, and that area that I took you to is rich, has rich traditions in waterfowl hunting. And the specific area that I'm talking about is a, a duck club called Miller's Lake Duck Club. And it's in the heart of Evangeline Parish. It sits located right in the middle of, of a big agriculture territory, uh, lots of rice fields. And I took you there on an afternoon just to kind of show you the surroundings and uh, and see kind of, you know, what, what your thoughts were on it. And, and I'd I like to get your feedback, you know. For, well, what did you think of that area that I took you to? I just thought, like, it was crazy about, like, all the camps and stuff that were on it. And I thought... I th I thought it was crazy how they only that they closed it down for duck season because like I've never seen that uh, like that before like I've never seen a lake where they close it down during duck season. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and then only open it during during fishing. Yeah. Well. Well, they open for fishing when it's not duck season. Yeah. That's the that's the way they have it set up there, and a lot of a lot of places are like that. Well, I say a lot of places are like that. Really, a lot of places, if they're a duck club, they don't typically allow any kind of fishing to the public. And the Miller's Lake area, what makes it unique is that um, you know all throughout the summer when it's not duck season, not hunting season. It's open to the public for fishing. It's got phenomenal fishing, whether it's pan fishing for big old bull brim or you, you want to go bass fishing. Um, they pretty much have it all as far as freshwater fishing goes. And, you know, fast forward to duck season, when once teal season opens up, it closes down to the public for fishing. And at that point, it is all member and family uh, owned and operated as far as the hunting goes. It's for family and for members only. And uh, I took you out to the, the South Landing, which they have two areas of the lake that have camps. I took you out to the, the South Landing, which is traditionally going to be uh, all family camps. So all of those camps that were on that levee system that we rode around and we featured in the, in the video that we did on our YouTube channel, that's all family owned and operated camps that have been there for, for many, many years in the Miller's uh, Lake Duck Hunting Club. So um, I know you kind of saw a big group of guys, young guys, a little bit older than you maybe in high school. And, uh, and I kind of explained to you that we grew up, that's what we would do on the weekends. When we were in high school, we would go to, you know, our friends' camps at Miller's Lake. We'd go out there, we, we'd, you know, go cook, have some suppers, have some drinks, and we'd, and we'd, we'd duck hunt. We'd set yo-yos to go sockeye fishing uh, or white perch fishing like we grew up calling it. And, uh, and just had good times, man. There were so many good memories about that place. Uh, now, one thing that did catch my attention, and you even mentioned it when we got there, was, you know, we were on the south end of the lake, and immediately we noticed that, obviously, it's in, it's in a drought like most of us here in the south. The water was low, but there was a lot of salvania, giant salvania that was uh, in the lake, and that's something that when I grew up, we never saw before. So you have an invasive species, obviously, now in that area. And, uh, and from what I was told is about a week or two after you and I went down there, they, uh, wildlife and fisheries, I believe went in there and they ended up spraying and trying to, trying to knock some of that stuff back as we get ready to head into big duck season. So, but that, that was pretty cool. I thought, I thought it was a cool trip to take down there and show you kind of where I started hunting at 
Um, you know, we also had some family land that was in our family that I've talked about in the past um, about us growing up hunting there. We'd go to some family land and do some duck hunting. And But I thought it was pretty cool to show you kind of not too far from where I grew up, you know, some of my history and where I did. So I hope you enjoyed that, you know, because I think you did. And and you were kind of shocked, you said, by the way it looked. It wasn't what you were expecting, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. Um, so, yeah, going back, you know, once, you know, we get those opportunities to go back and do some of that hunting, that's pretty cool. Uh, and, and that's really important to me to show you that. So, so that that's where we were at the close of teal season, guys. We went down there, like I mentioned, went down to Evangel Parish, hunted with some friends, had a successful close to hunting or to teal season. Thank God, kind of saved our teal season for us. And then about a week or two later, as October came around, which we're now in the middle of October, what is also a big tradition for us is small game hunting. And when I say small game hunting, I mean squirrel hunting uh, here in Louisiana. That's a huge tradition in our family. Uh, in our society growing up and first weekend of October is always when squirrel season opens up and traditionally what we do is we go to the camp uh, or to a friend's camp and we have a opening weekend of squirrel season much like we would do for uh, duck season you know and uh, and that's what we did this year so you want to kind of fill the listeners in on what we did this year Jackson? For squirrel season yeah so like we just uh we uh we went uh, to the camp for opening weekend like we normally do. And we go, we, we went for opening weekend, and we slept at the camp, and we, uh, yeah, we just went hunting. We did, it wasn't very good, actually, for the first weekend. The squirrels were not moving a lot on the first weekend where we went. They weren't moving a lot, and if y'all saw, we didn't post many pictures because we didn't kill a lot. They weren't moving, and if y'all saw, we brought Hudson with me, with us, my our little bro, my little brother, and we brought my best friend Jackson with us. So yeah, it was a very good weekend, a very fun weekend. We just didn't kill a lot of squirrels because they weren't moving a lot. Yeah, the, you know the reports on on that. I have a couple of uh, that, or your grandfather has a couple of friends who are big squirrel hunters still nowadays, and one of them is one of the best squirrel hunters that I grew up. I remember as a kid him always being one of the top guys in the camp for opening weekend when they track all the numbers, kind of have a competition between the men. And uh, and this guy, he told he told Dad, he said the week a couple of days before the season opened, he said, man, it's not going to be a good squirrel season this year. And Dad said, Dad's out of it. He don't hunt no more, you know. And he said, really? He says, what, what makes you say that? He said, well, he says, we're in a big drought right now. He said, there don't seem to be a lot of feed in the trees, a lot of feed on the ground. He said, uh, and last year we had another hurricane hit the state. So he said, that's going to affect some people. He said, with the squirrel production, last year when the hurricane hit, um, it was right around the time where a lot of the babies were real small still. They, they weren't too far from the nest. And he said, uh, it probably did a lot of damage on the, on the young squirrels. He said, so the, the areas of the state that were affected by the hurricane, he said, you typically, when that happens, you see those numbers drop off the following year. He said, you mix that in with the drought that we're having statewide and all throughout the South. He said, uh, it's going to probably be a really tough year. He said, I've just done this for so many years that I have a pretty good guide on, on how to go by that, you know. And sure enough, he was right. So opening weekend, was it opening weekend that we had a full moon or was it, or it was opening weekend we had the full moon or the second, it might've been the second weekend. We're just coming off of a full moon. So last year we had a full moon, I remember that well, on opening weekend of squirrel season. This year it ended up falling on the second weekend that we hunted uh, following the opener. But opening weekend, you're right, it wasn't real good. We were going to try to do a video that weekend because that's always a big weekend for us to post on our YouTube channel. And we couldn't get enough footage really to, to do a video. So we kind of just scrapped what we had. Um, and we, and we kind of just enjoyed it, sat back and enjoyed it without having the, the added pressure of trying to, you know, do a video and, and, and do that type of stuff. So, uh, you know, it was dry. I'll say that it is extremely dry in the woods right now. Um, one good thing about it being dry is that we don't have a ton of mosquitoes right now. So that's been pretty good, I guess. Huh? Yeah. So a, a, a small number of mosquitoes as compared to when you get those hot years where it's humid, hot and wet. Then the mosquitoes tend to tear us up pretty good when we go for opening weekend of squirrel season. But one nice thing was we did have a little cooler weather this year. It ended up hitting us perfect. 
And it, it made it a lot more enjoyable, right, for the open weekend. Yeah, we got to build a fire at the camp. You got to build a fire this year. You didn't have to sweat while you're trying to build a fire just because you want to build that fire uh, just to keep up with tradition. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I remember years growing up, Jackson, it was it was cold for opening weekend of squirrel season. We Can you believe that we used to have to wear coats, like big coats and stuff like that sometimes for squirrel season? It would get that cold sometimes, you know? No. Yeah, I know. Nowadays, you don't see that too often. But, uh, you know, it was nice this this go-round. You know, this year was really nice. The weather was good. Uh, what you thought about the amount of hunters you saw throughout the reserve? Did you see a lot of hunters? We didn't see a lot of hunters. There was like maybe one or two people squirrel hunting, and the rest were deer hunting. If we saw any more, yeah, yeah, I think there's probably that's that's more than one or two squirrel hunters uh, that were hunting that weekend. But the the thing where we hunted at in the WMA and Sherbert WMA is that bow season's opening up at the same time squirrel season's opening up, and that's kind of messed up. I feel bad for the bow hunters in that situation. Uh, because they end up getting in the woods and you got all, all the squirrel hunters like us that are blasting away on a good year when you got numbers of squirrels. Uh, so this year, I'd say most of us probably helped them out because there wasn't as much shooting going on with the, with the lack of squirrels and the dry conditions. But at the same time, you know, when you put it at the same time, a small game opening up, in my opinion, that kind of that kind of screws over the bow hunters, you know, being able to get some time to themselves in the woods without having you know, guys shooting shotguns and all that type of stuff. So I really wish what I, what I'd like to see is them allow, you know, we open up squirrel season. It's always the first weekend in October. What I would love to see for the bow hunting community is that they would let the guys that want to bow hunt the reserve, open it up that Monday up leading up until opening weekend of squirrel season. So in other words, instead of them opening up on Saturday morning with all the small game hunters, just go ahead and kick it back. Let those guys open up on Monday morning, the, the previous week. Hunt all that week throughout the week, and then small game open up like it normally does on the weekend. I think that would be something that would be beneficial for the bow hunting community. And those of you who also deer hunt that listen to the show, that waterfowl hunt, you probably would agree with something like that. I think that would be beneficial to you guys to be able to get in the woods, get a little bit of time to yourselves while it's real quiet. Uh, but then... You know, I say that, and then on the flip side of that coin is I hear guys that say, well, man, I hunt, but I actually don't mind guys squirrel hunting in the woods. You know, there is some guys that say, hey, I think it could benefit me. It could push a deer toward me, possibly. It could it could kind of concentrate the deer uh, in my direction to come towards me if you shoot, you know, in that area. I know personally, if it was me hunting, and you can tell me if you disagree with this, I'd probably want that week to myself if I could have that. What you think about it? Yeah. Cause yeah. like you would you would want you wouldn't want all that shooting like if if I didn't duck hunt I would deer hunt all the time and I wouldn't want all them people shooting around me. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. I, I think I think you know if you open it up like I said on that Monday, I think that would definitely benefit the bow hunting community, and I think a lot of guys would be on board for that. So that's something you know. Well, I'm sure that's been brought up many many times. Uh, just like us, you know, where we hunt. At our camp for duck season, we talked about that several times before. What's really messed up about duck season for us, we're in the east zone. We have two zones now in Louisiana for duck hunting, okay? So we're in the east zone, and you have a west zone. West zone is now going to open up or opens up. They always have opened up before the east zone. We used to have a coastal zone mixed in as well. Well, now you have a west and east zone. East still opens up second. West still opens up first. Um, you're going to have west zone opening up here in November, beginning of November. We're going to open up in the east zone about a week or two later. And the reason I say we are is because I've always traditionally, we've hunted majority of time in the east zone throughout the years. Ever since you've been coming with me, you pretty much hunted east zone opener. Um, but one thing that's really bad and kind of sucks about where our camp is located at is that you know it being bordering up to a wma it what they do is they have either sex deer also during the first split of the east zone for for ducks so i may be kind of confusing you guys so what i mean by that is that east zone opens up mid-november well either sex in sherbert management area here in louisiana they do two either sex hunts also during that first split of duck season in the reserve. 
So what we really get is an opportunity to hunt open a weekend if we want to go to our camp in the east zone. And then you get to hunt a couple of days after that weekend. And then the following weekend, there's an either sex deer hunt. So we cannot, we are not allowed to duck hunt during that weekend. Then the following weekend, there's a second either sex hunt for the deer hunters. So when you look at that, you're losing two weekends out of the first split in the east zone. We're only allowed to really hunt, you know, if you're off on weekends, you're only really allowed to hunt open a weekend in our, in our camp and our reserve. So uh, that's unfortunate for us as waterfowl hunters. And through the years, that's just something that we had to adjust to. Um, we've, we've bounced around. We've always traditionally gone, you know, different places for opening weekend of the opener. So we've been to Marksville, Spring Bayou Wildlife Management Area with our buddy David, who lives up there. We've been up there with him many times. We've been to Buff Wildlife Management Area up in North Louisiana. Uh, we've also been to uh, other places. I've been to Venice. I've been to, uh, you know, all, all kind of different management areas throughout the state. That's kind of the point I'm trying to make. So you have never had the opportunity to hunt buff. I know you still want to make a trip up there. That's a pretty cool spot. Uh, and there's several places you want to go. You haven't been down to Venice yet. That's a place you want to go. What, what, what place out of all the management areas that you're familiar with, what, what's the one place that you'd like to go and why? Rephrase, I have been to Venice, I've never hunted Venice. I think that's what I said. You've never hunted Venice. Mm -hmm. You've been to Venice, you just haven't hunted Venice, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So out of all the places that you want to hunt wildlife management areas now that you hear us talk about, what's one of those areas that you'd like to go to? Venice. Venice? Mm -hmm. Why Venice, Louisiana? Because it's on because it's on the Mississippi River. Yeah. And because it's like a lot it's like a lot more open. I would say like I like I say that because like I've never been to uh, Buff and all the other places, so it's like I I don't know what they look like either, but like I've seen Venice, we've gone for fishing and stuff, and I've never uh uh I've never been duck hunting and it looks good. Like I go and I see all these blinds that people have made and stuff, and it looks like it's like that looks like a good pond for ducks, and I would want to hunt that. Yeah. Yeah, Ven you know, Venice, Louisiana is a beast in itself. It's just those of you who hunt Venice, you know exactly what we're talking about. Um, and you and I have watched videos on, on Venice. I've told you my experiences I've had in Venice. Uh, and, you know, I've also told you the, the, how dangerous it could be hunting down there and navigating down there if you're not familiar and where, know where to go. So, uh, you know, one thing that I like this year that they did was uh, we watch a lot of YouTube, obviously, you and I. We watch... We pretty much, I guess we watch YouTube more than we watch regular television, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Most of, most of you are probably getting to that point nowadays, too, where you stream more than you watch traditional TV. And I think that's just the way it's going nowadays for most people. But this year, one thing I, I really, one show that I like, that I really enjoyed was uh, was the show that's based off of uh, Duck Camp Dinners. That's what I was, that's, I was trying to think of the name. Duck Camp Dinners with Chef Jean-Paul and his crew. And, uh, and that's, uh, you know, a show that I really like because they cover this year, they did a really good job of covering all of Louisiana. They went down to Venice. They went to the Western part of the state for all the guys kind of gave some publicity to the guys in the Western part, your Lake Charles, Lacassine, uh, you know, all those areas down there. And they, they did a really good job in my opinion of, of kind of spreading the love and promoting all across the state this year. Uh, so that was pretty cool. But they went down to Venice this year on this on the new episodes, the new season, and uh, and me and you watched it. And they talked about just how dangerous Venice, Louisiana, could be navigating the, you know the waterways and the river if you don't know where you're going. And uh, and that's something that you know in time I think you're gonna get your opportunity to go down there. Uh, we've been invited by a couple of people to go make a couple of hunts down there, and uh, and we're gonna try to take take them up on that eventually and do that. But you, trust me, coming up as a young waterfowl hunter throughout the years, you're going to have some opportunities if you live here in Louisiana to, to take some trips down there. So it's, it, it is a phenomenal place. It's, it's a phenomenal hunting destination. It's a phenomenal fishery to go down there and fish. And uh, it's just, you can do everything down there. And it, it, if, you know, I, I have some people that asked me before on the YouTube channel. I've also had some people comment to me on the podcast that were from out of state. And they said, hey, 
you know, we'd love to come down to Louisiana and make a make a duck hunt. It, it, could you recommend your number one, you know, spot that you would go if you were coming down to Louisiana to hunt? And all the time I tell I say Venice, Louisiana. That that's if you're gonna make a destination trip down to Louisiana to do some hunting, I would tell you Venice, Louisiana is the place to go, guys. Um, it just is. What I will tell you is that if you do plan on making a trip to Venice, Louisiana to do some waterfowl hunting and you don't know anybody that's down here that hunts down here, you're not going with somebody that hunts down here, I would recommend getting a guide. I would recommend 100% hiring a guide, somebody that knows how to navigate the, the Mississippi River, knows how to navigate the backwaters, knows where the sandbars are, that type of stuff. Because let me tell you, every year, unfortunately, you hear stories about people that, you know, embark on duck hunting in, in Venice, Louisiana, and it seems like every year there's tragedies that go on simply because uh, they don't have the right equipment, they don't have the right sonar, what, what I mean by equipment is, is you know, sonar, radar, um, maybe the boat's too small, it's not really designed to, you know, go into a massive river like the Mississippi River, you know. Uh, because that river, it, it could, it could, it could happen quick, guys. It could be very quick uh, when disaster hits. You know, there's so much floating debris, there's so much stuff, uh, you know, ins and outs of it that you need to know to navigate that river in the dark. That you really need to have somebody with you that knows the area, knows that knows the river, and has done it before. So I would tell you guys, it's easy to find guides. You can, you can Google it. Hop online, get on there, search, you know, duck hunting guides, Venice, Louisiana. You'll get many, many names and, and, and numbers that come up. And if you guys ever need a recommendation, give us a call. Get in touch with us here at Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. And we'd be happy to show you guys or, or lead you in the right direction of people that you could contact and uh, get, get set up with. So we would, we would love to see you have a, a good experience down here coming down to Louisiana and definitely return home safe. So that's that's what it's all about. And and at the same time, also harvesting some birds. Many different species down in Venice, Louisiana. So this year, and I know I've asked you this a lot in previous seasons, Jackson, going into this season, what's the species? What birds we want to kill? Well, <coughs> for like, based on just like, Mounting like what bird do I want to mount wise is a Drake Widgeon, but a Drake Widgeon. But like just based on a bird that I want to kill is just a mallard. A mallard, just you, a Drake mallard. Drake, just a Drake mallard, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about that too, and I, I don't know. There's still some birds that I, I I want to put up in my collection, you know. And uh, and we eat a lot of ducks, man. So you know what's crazy about down here in Louisiana is we kill such nowadays with the. With, with waterfowl, as much as it's changed, we see so many different species now of birds that we kill here, you know? And what used to be common species, like your mallards and like your other stuff like that, we don't really see that stuff no more, you know? So it's just changed. We've talked about that till we blew in the face on, on previous episodes. We've had guests that we've talked about how much the landscape has changed, how much duck hunting has changed. But like I say... I tell people all the time, you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta roll with the punches. You gotta go with the, what the new norms are. And species like, you know, diver ducks, where you used to not kill diver ducks, all that type of stuff. That's what you, uh, that's what you got now. That's what Mother Nature hands you, and uh, and that's the cards that we gotta play now. So it's it's changed, but it is it is definitely something that uh, you know, looking forward to this year. Hopefully, we have a real good year. It's gonna be interesting with the drought that we got going on right now. Um, we just took a, a scouting trip um, this weekend, and we and we kind of changed things up there. So, without getting too specific on, on you know where we were, kind of kind of fill everybody in on what we did this week to change things up. We uh we went uh we went to do some uh scouting for some ducks, like you said, and uh we went uh we went paddling to some holes, some new holes that we've been scouting for that we've been scouting online, and uh. We just uh, we we went and we saw we were looking we were looking for birds and we within the first five minutes we like we just paddled into the hole and there's just a bunch of teal uh coming like coming in like we jump up some teal and then they would and then they would uh get get up and they would we'd sit there and they'd come back around it's like they'd never been shot at in their life 
and they just wanted to come keep coming back. And so we were shooting at. I mean, we weren't sorry. We weren't shooting. Uh, we were looking at all these birds, and uh, we uh, we were like, all right. So we started paddling into some other holes, and uh, there was about there was like birds in like every hole, pretty much every single hole, and specifically the birds we saw was a lot of teal. We saw a lot of teal, and then we saw a couple of wood ducks, and then we saw a bunch. Uh, that's mainly the two birds that we saw. Yeah. So yeah. We did, and, and and something that that really uh, caught my attention, and, and I kind of touched on it earlier in the show, is that you know we were we were hunting, we were actually going through the marsh this weekend, um, and scouting out a spot that we had found on on X. We had also got some information from a buddy of ours that had some experience hunting in those areas, and when we went out there, we were glad to see that we, we saw quite a bit of blue wing teal still hanging around, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and I know you said that, that's the majority of what we saw. Um, so that just goes to show you, you know, with teal season, us not being real successful in teal season down in the marsh, we were, they were just a little delayed for some reason, you know, getting to the marshes for some reason. Uh, and I don't know why that is. I mean, that's just mother nature doing her thing, I guess. That's them, the birds doing their thing. But, I can tell you that as of this weekend, we have teal, blue wing teal in, in South Louisiana. So that's that was good to see. That's promising. So, I mean, I hope that those birds, you know, blue wing teal, and we say this all the time, blue wing teal, it don't take much to move. I mean, it can be a drop in temperature. It can be a rise in the temperature. Uh, you know, they're, they're a bird that's, that's real, you know, funny when it comes to weather changes and patterns. So, you know, we got right now. We're sitting middle of October. We got about about a month until we open up in the uh, in the east zone, um, and, and it's the you know about a little less than a month as far as the western zone opening up down in the marshes. So uh, we're not too far off. I don't know if those birds are going to hang around, uh, but it would be great to open up the season and see you know the number of teal that we saw this weekend. I would say, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at our bag limits now, Jackson, and, you know, um, teal make up a huge part of what we kill. You and I were actually talking about that. We look back at last season. We were kind of going over some of the numbers from last season. Um, and, and the majority of birds that we shot and we harvested last year were teal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blue, we had blue wing teal all the way up into January. You remember we were still killing blue wing teal. You yeah. know, now we, we had, you know, days – and weeks where we had green wings show up in good numbers. And then, if you remember, they would kind of disappear for a little bit, right? Yeah. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first big front, and you could tell this story a little bit uh, about what, the day that we had some bad weather last year, and we had been going at it pretty hard. And uh, we hadn't seen a ton of green wing till up until that point in the areas that we had hunted. And you, I'll let you kind of tell the story because you, you, you're the reason we went. So we, oh, basically what happened is we woke up that morning and we were looking outside and it wasn't raining, but we looked on the radar and it said that there was supposed to be a lot of rain coming. So my dad said, you want to go? I said, yep, I want to go. And really, I didn't want to go. Yeah, he did Because I, I was wore out. Yeah, he didn't want to go. I, I, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't want to go that morning because... You know, we had been going at it hard, and we kind of, you remember at that time we kind of hit that was I don't remember if it was first split or second split. You may remember, but I remember we had hit like some warm weather. You remember it got kind of warm, and we weren't having no fronts coming through. Just wasn't pushing a whole bunch of birds, but we we were going, we were going religiously, and uh, and, and that day I just I didn't feel it. I woke up and I was like, man, I was really hoping you'd say. Let's stay home today just to kind of catch a day of rest. But I'm, you didn't, and I'm glad you did. I'm, I'll never stay home. No, I know. You want to go. You'll, you'll be the death of me probably. I'll never stay home on a duck hunt. Maybe on another hunt, but never on a duck hunt. No, I believe you on that. Maybe on a squirrel hunt. Maybe on duck. a squirrel hunt. Not yet you haven't. You want to go every day, every weekend now. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry I interrupted you. So continue your story there. So like I said, we got we we hooked up the boat and we went and we went okay and we got into the marsh. And well, I'm sorry, I'm gonna stop you. You remember we get to the launch and there's like nobody there. There's like two boats there. That was that day. It was that day. That's the day we showed up and nobody's at the launch and we like, what the hell? You're like, oh my god. 
I had to check the regulations. Now, as well as I know the, re the regular, or I, I say no to regulations, as well as I know the dates of when we could hunt and where, where we hunt that, I even had to second guess myself that day because we show up at the launch and there's like two boats there. Yeah, we we like, <laughs> and we don't even know if those are hunters. That could be people at their camp or something. That's right. So I literally pulled up the hunter regulations, and I'm like, "Yeah, we good." Before I remember, we went to unhook the boat, and I was like, well, "Hold on a second, let me check, make sure, because something's not right." And it's not like the the weather was supposed to be like just you know horrible lightning thunder. It was rain. It was rain. You know that's what they were calling for rain and high wind. So anyway, we get to that launch. And nobody's there. Nobody's so there. We we, so we're like, all right, we're good. So we launch the boat, and we go to our spot. We're, so we get in the marsh, and we're throwing out our decoys. No rain, nothing. It's not raining at all. Didn't, we didn't get a drop of rain, all right? And not then we, we get in the blind, and we're, and we're, sit, we're sitting there, and it's kind of foggy. It's kind of foggy around, around us, but not exactly on us, but it's kind of foggy. And then we're just sitting there, sitting there, and it's it's kind of getting daylight a little, and no rain, nothing, nothing, nothing's coming. And then all of a sudden, boom, boom, we see teal, 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 teal everywhere. They're coming in from all directions. They're like I don't know what it was, but like we, the fog was in front of us, and then and then like all of a sudden you just see three of them coming out of the fog, and then and then boom, boom in the decoys, another three, boom, boom, and then a group of them, boom, boom, and it was like. Blue wings, green wings, everything like they were just there that day. And then I remember we looked up and there we looked up and there was just like fifty green wings just coming down on our <laughs> hole. So like that were dropping from the stratosphere. They, they, they were everywhere that day. So we just like we shot and then it was surprising. I know we said it. I know we said that we there was a lot of teal, but we didn't walk out with. With with a lot that day, either just because we had bad shots. I think I thought we didn't shoot well. That that was the thing, but we we did pretty well. I, I want to say we didn't quite have a two man limit, but we were pretty close to it. Uh, you know, and really we should have had it. No excuses. You know, we should have had a, a two man limit, but we I remember we we didn't shoot real great. I, to be honest with you, the till were so close up in our face. We struggled with that for some reason that day. They, they had, they, you know, you get a group of four or five of them come in, and they were so close to the blind that <laughs> we were struggling on shooting them. I don't know if you remember this, but but uh, the group of fifty green wings that we saw, they actually they were remember they were coming from the side of us and they flared up. From it was from the left side. Yeah, they yeah. were coming from over here, and, they, and then right whenever they were about to get in the decoys and shooting range, they just flared up. Yeah, they saw. I, yeah, I, I guess maybe there's some. I think they saw me because I remember you telling me you're not covered up enough. Get covered up. You might have been. Yeah, because <laughs> I remember you. You were covered up great at first because the blind was covered up great. We were hunting out of a, our boat blind. But we were shooting so much it all got broken up. Well, we were shooting and then not only that, but you were so like in awe of all the teal that were kind of dropping in that you <laughs> you were kind of sitting up on your bucket in the boat with your head above because you were just turning left enjoying, and right. You I were was looking. enjoying watching them. Yeah, you were just you were just enjoying watching them. And uh, that group dropped in on us so quick. I remember that well. It dropped in on us. And that's what it was. You you did the old baby face, white face flare on them, and uh, and they saw you, and they just flared up and, and got out of there. But that that was really that was the the turning point as far as the the teal last year uh, for us. I found that hunt that we that we talk about that hunt. We relive that hunt quite often, and uh, and that's kind of the first hunt where I remember those teal showing up heavily. You know? And then that's also the same. That's also the same hunt where uh, we we didn't we didn't we not only saw uh, teal but we also saw some gadwall. We were uh, we went to go pick up some teal and we had two gadwalls circling the hole. Really? Uh huh. And we uh we fill got, me in because I can't remember what that was. Remember you said we were picking up. We got the boat. We got the boat and uh we started it and we went and get all the teal because they were just like everywhere broken up and we were like all right we need to go get them before we lose them. Yeah, and the wind was pumping that day, so you had to be careful. It was blowing. So we went and get them and then as we we're getting them, we say Jack, Jack. I mean, oh Jack, Jack. We need we need to get back in the blind. There's two gadwall up there. So there's two gadwall just up there looking at us and they're circling the hole. So we get back in the blind and they're still circling. 
and we're calling at them, we're calling at them, and they just won't come in. So they just circle. Typical gadwall. And then they left. So typical gadwall. So that happened, and then all of a sudden we're sitting there, and I'm eating my fudge around as always. Not a Christmas cake. I don't know. Not a Christmas Debbie. I was eating some kind of Debbie. So I was, I was, we were, I was doing that, and you were, and we were all looking down, okay. And we were doing something, looking down, okay. Probably at our phone. Because it got slow, okay. And then I remember you saying, "Pintail, pintail, pintail." Oh, so there's God. two pintail. I know where you're going with there's this. There's two pintail <laughs> coming at us, a big old Drake and a hen. So they come. I see, I see that spray <laughs> right over our heads. Okay, so so I drop my Debbie cake. I pull my gun up. We both pull up. Boom, 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 boom. We each shot three shots. We missed all four shots. <laughs> and then, like I'm talking, they were right there. Like they could. Wait, so are you admitting that you missed the pintail too? I told you because you always say I missed the pintail. I know, but you all, you all, you were the one after the hunt saying, "Oh my God, I'm gonna regret that." Oh my God, I'm gonna. Oh, I, I do regret. It. I still regret it. As we, as we're recording this podcast, I regret it still. Yeah. I, so I, fi- I figured if you're gonna be the one moping about it, I'll just say I didn't miss. <laughs> so, so you did shoot. I, I, I'm glad we well, cleared yeah, that. Guys, I am glad y'all are here to witness that and clear this up. And we clearing this up right now because. He has let me live in guilt all year long that I missed those pintail that came in. And honestly, yes, I did miss the pintail. But I honestly did not know that you shot at the same time I shot. I really did not know that. So thank you for admitting that now. So it's not I miss the pintail anymore. It's we miss the pintail. I told you. Right, I, guys? I told you I'm, I shot. You just don't remember. Probably. I don't remember that. And I honestly do not re- I think I blacked out. To be honest with you, I blacked out for about five it seconds like, or something. It was like this boom, boom, boom. Okay, so so guys, it may not be a big deal to you about pintail because you may kill pintail wherever you are, wherever you hunt. You may be the person that kills pintail but we every hunt. But for us as public land hunters in Louisiana and the area that we were hunting, it's not an area where we tend to get a lot of pintail at all. And when you do, it's rare. It's rare. It's rare that we see them. On this day, these two dropped out of the sky on us. And yeah, I've been living with regret all year long in that situation. There's two instances from last season that I live with every day this summer that I think about when I look back at what I could have done better last year <laughs> during the season, the pintail hunt and the mallard hunt. And the mallard hunt. The mallard hunt, I call it. That was the hunt I remember where we, uh, it was very foggy that day. It was super foggy. Like the like we couldn't, we couldn't really, see, we couldn't see the decoys. In front of block. We couldn't see yeah. the decoys. It was so foggy. And I remember there was a early, early in the morning, right at daybreak in the fog, we saw two teal land in the decoys. And we shot and we got both of them. I remember. And then as, and then we got a couple more teal, a couple more singles. And I remember. And then it got daylight. A couple of model ducks. Yeah. Remember that? No, but that's when the daylight broke. Yes. Like, I'm getting to that. Yeah. We got with, when, okay, when the fog broke and the daylight, came out uh the uh we had we had two two well we thought they were mallards okay because they were like mallards yeah. like said quack like yeah. mallards yeah so they came by us were like oh mallards mallards yes yeah. so we're getting down we're getting down and they just they just go away they fly away they flew away okay so I do we're, remember that. so so we're just sitting there all oh, we're being loud again and then all of a sudden we look up they're back they show they, back they, up they come in they and come. then that's when we realized they were they were they bottled were, ducks yeah so we got they get they get in the sp- they get in the spread and then they and then they're and then like they wouldn't land okay so so like no they they, they actually surprised us yeah they wouldn't land so they're flying away from us and we're like eh, eh, boom boom I shot he shot we both dropped we just, we both dropped him and his my dad's is actually still alive okay so we we got we had to get out the boat and we had to go finish it off yeah so we so we went get dad and then uh, a couple of uh, minutes later we get back in the line we got that we got the teal we got the model ducks so we get in there and then all of a sudden there's a drake mallard and a hen mallard by its I mean by themselves just two doubles coming in. And they come in the decoys, okay? The 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 uh, 
hen lands. They, they make a couple of circles the first. Hen, yeah, the hen lands in the decoys, but uh, the mallard is, but the drake is just still flapping his wings above it, and he and he just peels off. Well, okay, so what? What did I? T okay, so what it was was these two these two mallards flew over our little hole that we hunt. Okay, they went around the edge on, over the marsh grass. They made about two circles. I started calling at them real soft, okay? All of a sudden, here they come. They break towards us like they're coming toward the decoys. Well, here comes the hen. She comes in, sits down. Well, he's right behind her. And what did I tell you at that point? You remember what I told you? No. I said, I said, don't, don't shoot yet. I said, because he's coming right behind her. Mistake. I said, he's going to land right behind her. Mistake. So, which we could have shot him both in the air right there. You but could've. she hit the water so quickly that I've seen over the years just hunting that typically he'll follow right behind her and, and land next to her. Because they paired up at that point, you know. This was second split, I believe. So, she comes, hits the water all of a sudden. And I tell Jackson, hold off. He's coming right behind her because he's, he's what, 10 yards behind her? Yeah, so he gets above the decoys and he's just sitting there flapping, flapping, flapping. Okay, and then it, Come, he almost hit the blind. I know. I know. Well, that's when he peeled off. When he peeled off, he almost hit the blind. And then I said, Dad, why didn't you shoot? Why and didn't I, you shoot? And I told you, I said, he's coming back. He's making a pass back. And he's going to come meet her, and he's, we're going to get him. So he peels off, boom, all. Makes a huge Makes a huge circle. circle. It just leaves her behind. Just, just. He's quack, he's, but, but if you remember, he's quacking at her while she's on the water, and she's quacking. Yeah, she's she's quacking at him, and she's like, come back, come back. And she's he's like, uh-uh, I'm leaving you. And he's quacking at her while she's quacking at him, and I'm like, He's gonna. He's making a circle, and you can see his head looking at him. We're watching this happen. So, but he's flying away, and he he, he didn't come back. So, he he so, left her. So the hen's looking around, looking around, and and she she gets a right, 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 and my dad just poofed her. <laughs> he poofed her. I, I poofed her. I saw the feathers fly. <laughs> Put that number four shot on her, at least. So so we got her. So she yeah, she lands. He makes us. He's coming ten yards behind her. And I'm thinking, okay, he's going to hit the water right behind her. We're going to get both of them because I was hoping they would both land. We could get him to jump up and get both of them. This we, dude had We both least, get good shots he on He had him. at least five seconds to pull up and shoot oh, that. Oh, there's no doubt. Shoot there's that no doubt. I was 100% wrong. And I'll admit it 100 million times. I was wrong. I should have shot him and then turned and shot her or let you shoot her. And we filmed it, so that's how we know we had a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we actually have have it all on video. Go we watch have it on it. our YouTube channel. Uh, right now, you can see it all break down just like we explained it. It, it happened exactly like we're telling you guys. And, uh, and that's memory number two from last season that I have that I regret 100%. So that Jackson to this day has not let me live that down. And little did I know, he hasn't let me live the pintail story that we told you all down. Because he told me, I, I, he let me understand that I was the only one that shot at it. And uh, come to find out today, talking with all of you, he actually shot at it and missed too. So I told you. Uh, I don't remember that. But anyway, but those, those are two of our worst memories, I'd say. For, I, I say worst memories. We, You know what's funny is we ended up getting the, the, the hen mallard, so that was cool. That, that's not a bad memory. And... I guess really neither one of those horrible memories because we're talking about it now and we're laughing over it now. So it, it created a good memory at the end of the day. So that's, that, that is kind of ironic how that works out. But, you know, when we look back now, we kind of going down that road of memory lane from last season. What, what was one of your favorite things from last season that, that sticks in your head? Like one of my season? favorite hunts? Yeah. What was one of your favorite hunts that you, that you went on or maybe – Maybe a bird, a shot that you made on a bird that was really special that surprised you. Because I can tell you, man, you, you came such a long way last season. You were shooting birds on the wing last year that, man, for your age, I, I haven't seen a lot of guys be able to hit. And, and I mean, you know, that's pretty impressive, I have to say, for, as being your dad. But not only your dad, but being a hunter in the blind, would you? And then now I'm getting a snapshot during teal season of what you're going to possibly do this year. 
And look at Till season, how we closed out with that good hunt with our friends uh, down in Evangelical Parish that we talked about. And, man, I mean, you, you freaking had a limited Till pretty much almost by yourself based off of you shooting shooting well, man. So yeah. now you made a switch last year to a 12-gauge gun. You went to 12-gauge all year, right? Mm-hmm, 12-gauge automatic. 12-gauge automatic, semi-automatic. And how was that? How was that adjustment? What's the difference between what you shot before versus going to a 12-gauge? Do you find that that made a difference for you? Yes. And okay. why? Just because of the lightness of the gun. The gun's very light. I will say, you went from a, a what? You were shooting a 20-gauge before. Uh-huh. A pump 20-gauge, H&R Partner, which is a heavy gun. That's a that's based off of a Remington 870, and that is a heavy gun. It's not that heavy. Uh, well, it is, though. When you, you say that, I'm not saying heavy, like you can't lift it, but when you when you guys, if you're familiar with an H&R Partner, and you have kids, or you shot one as a kid... That's a heavy. That's a heavy pump shotgun. And it's not heavy to me because I used it for so many years and I got used to it. You got used to it, but then we you switched to a semi-automatic twelve gauge, which is also an H and R you shooting right now, an H and R Excel semi-auto, and that gun is is incredibly lightweight for a semi-automatic gun. You know. Yeah, and like another reason why I like this because like it's like it's. You got more time to shoot. It's an automatic, so it's like you ain't got to pump it. Yeah. And it's like, like sometimes when my twelve, my twenty gauge, I would pick it up, and I'd shoot, and it's like I'd forget to pump it. <laughs> you I'd get sh- in the moment. Yeah, I'd, I, I, like if I'd hit it, I'd be like, oh, and there'd still be some of the decoys, and I'm like, oh crap, and I'm like, yeah, I got, I forget to call like that. I just gotta go boom, boom, boom. And Pull like, the trigger. Yeah, it's like if I switch back to a pump right now, I would be going. Like, I'd be clicking the trigger, and it wouldn't shoot. I'd be like, why isn't it shooting? Yeah. It'd be a pump. I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I get it, man. And I, I totally agree with you. I think it – I could tell you it made it made a big difference in your, in your hunting style. The way you shot on the wing was was impressive, man. So, uh, you're going to be shooting that gun again this year. Obviously, you're shooting that gun again this year. And um, go ahead. Like, and just – another reason why I love that gun is, like, it's – it's so easy to hit stuff with it. It's like, oh, specifically ducks. Well, that's operator. <laughs> specifically, but I'm serious. Like, you could aim a foot away from what you're trying to hit, and it'll still hit it. Like, it's so, it's awesome. Like, I don't know what it is. I love it. Well, that, that what that tells me is that you got the right shells. You got the right pat, the right choke for you. What pattern you putting out there? And we talk about that all the time with people getting into duck hunting. It's so important that you go shoot. Whether you pattern it, shoot it at skeet, whatever, a box. I mean, just just draw a target on a box, go out there and pattern it. And that's what you've done. You've done that at the camp. We shoot a lot of skeet at the camp. Um, And when you got that gun, you started shooting it a good bit to get familiar with it. And, yeah, I I agree with you. It's dialed in right now. So, I mean, for till season, man, you pulled off a couple of solo shots on some cleanup shots that we had. And straight up, I mean, just folded them. Yeah, you know? like I, sh- I shot ducks this season before I shot squirrels, which is not normal. Yeah, you squirrel hunting with that same gun right now. Mm-hmm. now and I just changed my choke. Change your choke out, yeah. So what, what choke are you shooting in your uh, 12 gauge? Right now? Yeah. What, what? No, not for squirrel, for duck. I'm oh, talking for about. Uh, an extended choke. You're shooting an extended choke in there right now, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And yeah. then for squirrels, I, I don't I don't remember if it was a full or a modified choke. I think it's a modified choke. Yeah. Now, some going back to shooting, something that, kept, that brings up a memory that you told me the other day was that you said this year, you said, Dad, I'm going to start taking a few further shots out. Yeah, because like, why? Like, I, what's that all about? What you thinking? Because, like, like I said, some like we scout a lot on on online, and I've seen videos of people like the they take a lot of far shots and they hit it, and I think that we're underestimating like how far our tw- like a twelve gauge can shoot, especially with that extended choke. Yeah, like it can shoot far. Yeah, it definitely can, and, and and I guess what I've tried that's probably my fault because I've tried to teach you uh, that to work the ducks in, you know, and, and yeah. that's what I've always tried. I've enjoyed that. That's the way my dad taught me. Which is what you want to do. It's just like if they if like if they're flying away. Yeah, you know, what I'm saying? You know I get it. I get it a hundred percent. What you're saying there, it, 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 part of that's me. Uh, like I said, I, I've always been. I've always enjoyed getting the birds in your face up close. And, and that's burned me throughout the years. Uh, you know, any guy who tells you they hunt that way, that style of hunting, 
we'll probably have some some stories about how they were burnt a time or two because of that, you know. Uh, and, and you were talking about like how those Gadwall left a while ago. Gadwall are famous for that. They, how many times guys have Gadwall worked your spread and they'll circle and they'll circle and you you know that next pass is the pass because that one duck's trying to peel off of them I and bring it, the rest of the group in, I and they just don't they don't happen that I way. I think it's mileage or that are worse. I think it's mileage. Well, because like from our experience, like that timber hunt that we had one time, when the mallards were circling, they would not come in the hole. Well, that's a little different. That second split, that was say late second split. We you know those birds have been shot at from. Canada all the way down to, to Louisiana. The Gadwall came in though. Well, Gadwall, yeah, but they, they, yeah, you're right, they did. But it's, it's, it's a little different, man. I, there's nothing in my opinion that'll burn you worse than a group of Gadwall. Well, as a matter of fact, when I get a group of Gadwall, I prefer a small group of Gadwall come in. If you get a group of fifteen Gadwall, and you should, Jackson's shaking his head, no, but I'm telling you guys, this is just my opinion, and you may disagree with me on this. But I prefer working a smaller group of gadwalls. So five, six, seven, maybe eight gadwalls at the most. You start getting above that number, and it makes it really, really hard when these birds get down here to Louisiana or areas that are pressured with a lot of pressure from hunters. Late in the season especially, it makes it really hard, and you probably know what I'm talking about, to get that group of birds to commit. I find that's really the case with most species, not just gadwalls. But Gadwall are famous for that. It's really hard to work them when they like that. You know, they they completely different than a group of 40 teal. You get a group of 40 teal, one breaks off, he's coming in the decoys, uh, the majority of them tend to come with him, right? Yeah, like it's follow the leader. Follow the leader. And I've always told you, with teal, I love hunting teal because... They always bring friends. They bring friends, and that's true. That is very true. They always have friends with them and, and large numbers of friends. And it's not often you see like a single teal like just flying by itself. No. They're always with the group no. most of the time. I, I, I've killed... <laughs> if you see a single teal, if you ever kill a single teal mixed in with another species of a bird, that right there is an indicator that there's not many teal in the area. Because like they like teal always have to be with people. It's like, I mean with other birds. It's like it's like they don't feel safe if they're not with other birds. I guess I don't know what it is. They they stick to their kind. It's like people. It's like like they don't feel safe if they're not with their family. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe that's how they look at it. Maybe, they have a, a brain the size of a pea, but it's, they they can collect a lot of intelligence in that uh, in that little brain of theirs. Well, I think it has something to do with maybe like food and stuff. Like they could. Be. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I just think it has, might have something to do with food. Like, they could, like, find food, like, together. I don't know. Really? Yeah. Maybe so. Maybe so. Well, I know we kind of got off the beaten path on this episode going down memory lane from last year, but I'm glad we did. And we got a lot more stories that we need to sit down and, and kind of hash, hash out and share with the listeners. Uh, and whether it's talking about last season or kind of looking forward to this season. But right now, we got a little bit of squirrel hunting left to do. Um, we've already started scouting some areas for big duck season coming up. Uh, I'm going to be making a trip for the opener with uh, with a good friend of mine down to the uh, saltwater marshes. And uh, we're going to do a hunt for the west zone opener. And then a week later, we're going to open it up east zone. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. I know you're going to be kicking things off in the, uh, in the east zone. And uh, and then at that point, it's going to be full throttle, guys, all the way through January. So we're looking forward to it. I know you guys are, but I I really enjoyed this episode, sitting down, kind of taking that trip back down memory lane, filling you guys in on what we've been doing, what we're up to, uh, and we have a lot going on. So we have we have some new videos uh, that are hitting the YouTube channel, guys. So don't forget to check out our YouTube channel if you enjoy the content on there. You enjoy what we do. Uh, as a group, as a company, Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors, please, the way you can show your support is by visiting our YouTube channel. Go in there, subscribe to the channel. We're trying to get to that thousand mark. We're trying to grow it organically. Uh, we want to have people that love the outdoors and love uh, the passion for what we do as much as we do. So if you enjoy that, you're that person. Go visit our YouTube channel. Click that subscribe button. Give us some likes on the videos if you enjoy the content. And let us know what you'd like to see. We'd love to uh, bring you guys content that you're interested in seeing. 
And you have something you want to say. Guys, just for those of you who are listening who already subscribed to the YouTube channel, thank you all for 700 subscribers. We just hit 700 subscribers. I just want to say I appreciate it. That's a milestone for us. And thank you all. Thank you so much also for me as well, guys. And other ways to support us, guys, share the content with your friends. We really appreciate it. Also, go support the sponsors that we talk about all the time, guys. We partner with companies where we use their products because we believe in their products. And we have some awesome companies, some awesome friendships with companies. Um, If you see us advertising for somebody or talking about a product, it's because we use the product and we truly enjoy it. Go check out our sponsors. We'll have links uh, on all of our social media platforms, you can check those guys out. Uh, go support them because I promise you, if uh, you're an outdoorsman, chances are you're going to enjoy the products that they're offering as well, guys. Um, and also, all of our other social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, you can get all of these podcast episodes like you're listening to right now on places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Alexa, and many, many more places, guys. All you got to do is Google Google search Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Well, that's all we got for this week, guys. Until next time, this is Jacob and Jackson with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. We'll do it again soon, guys. Y'all take care and have a good one. Tired of looking for that perfect hunting or fishing boat only to see that it's out of stock at your nearest dealer? Well, welcome to Game Changer Boats. We specialize in custom aluminum hunting and fishing boats. If you can dream it, Game Changer Boats can build it. Top quality craftsmanship and attention to detail is what we guarantee our customers. And we are proudly built right here in Louisiana. You can visit us on Facebook at Game Changer Boats or email us directly at GameChangerBoats at Yahoo.com. Contact Game Changer Boats and let's see what we can build for you. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast is brought to you by Beaver Creek Game Calls. At Beaver Creek Game Calls, all of our calls are handcrafted and held up to the highest standards. Our goal is to provide a quality custom call that every hunter can afford. We strive every day with this goal in mind. We also take pride in our customer service because without you, we wouldn't be able to do what we love and that is to make quality custom hunting calls. All of our calls are proudly made in the USA. Visit us online at beavercreekgamecalls.com and let us build your next call. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast is also brought to you by the Can Cooker. Seth McGinn's Can Cooker is the simplest and healthiest, most convenient cooking system available. The Can Cooker takes the cattle drive tradition of cooking in a cream can and updates it for today's busy lifestyle. Pack the can cooker with ingredients and enjoy a mouth-watering, slow-cooked meal in a fraction of the time of normal cooking. Use it indoors and outdoors to cook a healthy meal on any stovetop, campfire, burner, grill, or the new multi-fuel burner portable cooktop from Can Cooker. Visit us on the web at cancooker.com.